Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What an exciting first weekend of March Madness. Couldn't ask for anything better, honestly. Welcome to the Oregon Hoops Podcast, the second episode of the Oregon Hoops Podcast, a part of the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Arden Cravalo. We got a lot, a lot to break down. First, we're going to talk about Oregon's sweet run to the Sweet 16. We're going to preview that Sweet 16 matchup, Oregon versus USC, two teams that have obviously are very familiar with each other. What the rest of the West bracket looks like on the opposite end of that with Gonzaga and Creighton. Preview that a little bit. And then, of course, talk about the Pac-12 becoming the powerhouse conference of this year's March Madness. When will people learn? Stop sleeping. Stop sleeping on the West Coast hoops. Stop sleeping on the Pac-12 conference. All right, let's talk about Oregon's run to the Sweet 16. First, Oregon versus VCU was canceled because of COVID issues surrounding the VCU Rams. Here's a statement per ESPN and NCAA. Saturday's first round NCAA men's basketball tournament matchup between number seven seeded Oregon and number 10 seeded VCU was declared a no contest after the Rams received several positive COVID tests, ESPN reports. In a statement, VCU head coach Mike Rhodes explained that the test came during a 48 hour period. He didn't specify if students or personnel tested positive, but the team flew home on Saturday night with those who tested positive traveling separately. Initially, the NCAA consulted the Marion County, Indiana Public Health Department and postponed the game. Yet, they then decided to declare it a no contest about three hours before tip-off. Unfortunate events for the VCU Rams. I mean, you work your tail off all season long. You play this season to get to March Madness, and you get there, and you can't play because of COVID issues. And the NCAA tournament was going really well. This this happened on the second day of the first round, going off without a hitch until this. I feel for Bones Highland. He'll be back next year, the Atlantic 10 Player of the Year, and this whole VCU team. We'll come back next year with a vengeance. If you think VCU was good this year, just wait until next season. We were going to get a good game between Oregon and VCU. It wasn't going to be no easy task for the Ducks. But Oregon moves on to the second round. I was a little bit worried about this because Oregon was going in cold against a great Iowa team. That was going to be their first game against Luca Garza, and that's tough to do. I did pick Oregon to beat Iowa. I was correct in that, wink. But when I heard this COVID news surrounding VCU, I thought to myself, hmm, maybe I should switch it. I don't like Oregon's chances as that being their first opponent, at least to get them a tune-up game, a tune-in game. Uh, against VCU before they have to go up against Luca Garza and all those shooters. 
But I stuck with my gut. I like this Oregon Ducks team. And I ended up being right, which I'm very thankful for. Let's talk about that Oregon-Iowa game. A great game, fast-paced, up and down, up and down, high-scoring, final score, 95-80, to 80, Oregon Ducks with the win. I did not expect it to be that fast, but oh my gosh, this was the most entertaining game of the second round uh, in March Madness, in my mind, by far, just because of the pace of the game. There was no slowing it down at all. Luca Garza, of course, unstoppable. We knew going into this. There was no way that we were going to be able to slow down Luka Garza. 36 points, 9 rebounds on an efficient 14 for 20 from the field. He scored 36 points and played 36 minutes as a point per minute. Very efficient game from Luka Garza. But the big question surrounding this team was always coming in. Can the shooters step up? Can they be able to hit from the three-point line? Can their defense also play to the level that they played towards the end of the Big Ten? The answer was no. The three-point shooting, 8 for 25 from the Hawkeyes, a 32% three-point shooting clip, and their defense looked weak, to say the least, giving up 95 against this much quicker, much faster Oregon team. Oregon's bench only scored six points, so you know where the points were coming from. It was Omarui, Duarte, Figueroa, Richardson. Williams was the only one to score under 10 from the starters. He had nine. Big game from Chris Duarte. 23 points and seven assists. And then the X Factor. The big X Factor. 19 points and seven assists and six rebounds. From Will Richardson. I've been saying that all season long. If Will Richardson plays his game, the Oregon Ducks are unstoppable. Will Richardson, when he's comfortable on the court, the Oregon Ducks cannot be beaten. He didn't take any minutes off the floor. He played the full 40 minutes, which is hard to believe since he didn't even start the season for the Oregon Ducks. He missed over 11 games. Also big performances in small dosages from Chandler Lawson and Frank Kepnang. They only played 18 minutes total, but Frank Kepnang had some big moments on the defensive end in that second half. Two huge blocks. Kepnang has really become a vocal leader for this team, both on the court in his limited role, but mostly off the court which is really hard to believe because he's supposed to be in high school. He's only an 18-year-old. It seems that the team loves him, and they listen to him. If you watch the timeouts, he'll be talking to the older players, and he'll be giving words of advice. That's got future leader of the Oregon Ducks team written all over it. Frank Kepnang is going to be a star for this team. Big minutes from him. Also, huge shooting performances from all the Oregon Ducks. 55% from the field, 44% from three while hitting 11 three-pointers. 72% from the line, only 8 of 11 uh, attempts. I would like them to attack the rim a little bit more, but this team is a three-point shooting team. They rely a lot on that. Oregon just outran Iowa in this one, and Oregon is moving on to their fourth Sweet 16 since 2016.
unbelievable performance what Dana Altman has done with this team alone, but just this whole program in general. Just absolutely unbelievable. All right, now let's talk about Oregon's Sweet 16 opponent, a team they're very familiar with in the USC Trojans. USC took care of Kansas in their second round. And now people are going to be arguing, but yeah, that wasn't that hard of a task for the USC Trojans. Kansas had a lot of injuries to deal with, which is true. David McCormick, the Big 12 uh, most improved player of the year, only played 22 minutes, only put in five points and four rebounds. He didn't look his best out there. Marcus Garrett, of course, always always competitive, always playing hit good ball. He was the leading scorer for Kansas with only 15 points and six rebounds. And then Wilson. Wilson, the guard, I feel for him because he had to also deal with injury. He only got nine minutes in, two points. Kansas was depleted a bit with their injuries to their star players in McCormick and Wilson. They had a lot of players had to, having step up off the bench. I'm looking. They went one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players deep off the bench. So they pretty much cleared out their roster. Bill Self was trying to throw anything out at this USC Trojans team, but couldn't find an answer for the Mobley brothers. Unbelievable, those guys. Evan Mobley gets all the love, but Isaiah Mobley, he needs a little bit of love too. He's the older brother too. Come on. That duo is unbelievable. Combined for 27 points, 21 rebounds, 9 assists, and 4 blocks between those two. That is very worrisome for this Oregon Ducks team. Let's talk about that. So if you remember all the way back in February, Oregon played USC at USC and did not look good. Tajidi was the big-time performer, hitting three after three, it seemed like. The Ducks only lost 72 to 58, but it feels like they were always trailing by 20 or more. That's what makes this USC team dangerous. Two things, the veteran leadership and elite guard play in Taj Edey, Drew Peterson, and Isaiah White. If they can be on point, because we know the Mobley brothers are going to be at their best, but if their guard play can be on point for the USC Trojans, I unfortunately don't see Oregon Ducks winning this game or having enough firepower to get past the USC Trojans. I predicted that not only today, but before this season or this postseason even started. Still, what a sweet run it has been for the Oregon Ducks. Regardless of the outcome, though, we're going to be getting a Pac-12 team in the Elite Eight. And a lot of people, a lot of college basketball fanatics or quote-unquote experts would have said, you're crazy. The Pac-12? The Pac-12 getting an Elite Eight team? Come on now. We'll get right into that. The Pac-12 powerhouse in March Madness this season. But first, let's talk about that other side of the West Bracket in that Gonzaga-Creighton game. Gonzaga and Creighton, Jesuit versus Jesuit. I remember Gonzaga and Creighton going at it in Omaha back in, I believe it was 2018. Zach Norvell shot the lights out, which is kind of fit in because... Creighton's going to need to shoot the lights out if they want any chance of beating the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Gonzaga can throw out their B or C game, and it still might be enough to beat Creighton. Creighton relies, relies on the three-point line. They need to be almost automatic, almost perfect 
from deep if they want to beat the Gonzaga Bulldogs. I need to see 13-plus three-pointers from this team. If they can't even get close to that mark, I see Gonzaga running the Creighton Blue Jays out the gym. So, in my prediction, we'll get a Gonzaga-USC West Coast Elite Eight matchup, which is awesome because we need more West Coast teams in the Final Four, and we need a West Coast team winning the national championship. I already told you, I predicted uh, Gonzaga winning the national championship this year. It'll be the first West Coast team since 1997, those Arizona Wildcats, to win the big one, and that's going to happen this year. Great for the West Coast. Speaking of West Coast and the Pac-12, the Pac-12 powerhouse conference now. 10-1 and now in March Madness. Stop sleeping on the Pac-12. Wake up. Wake up. We got four teams in the Sweet 16 in USC, Oregon, UCLA, and Oregon State. 10-1 and in March Madness this year. Why are you still sleeping? Wake up, East Coast. We got ballers on the West Coast. I could see Oregon State sneaking by Loyola Chicago. That's a game that matches up well for the Beavers. I also could definitely see UCLA getting past Alabama. Wouldn't that be a storyline? The National Committee, the National Writers, whatever you want to call them, they show no love to the Pac-12, and it really pisses me off. And this year, the Pac-12 is out for vengeance. Thanks for listening to my podcast, the Oregon Hoops Podcast, a part of the Believe Podcast Network. Make sure to catch Oregon versus USC in that Sweet 16 matchup at Bankers Life Fieldhouse on Sunday night. It should be a really good one. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.